and welcome to an all new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Laura Bender, your guide today. Uh, so today I speak with Justin Caffrey. He's a, he was a certified investment fund, hedge fund director, and private equ equity professional. Um, and about 10 plus years ago, he basically turned, uh, turned it all around and started studying uh, Eastern psychology, philosophy, and neuroscience. So we're going to kind of talk to him a little bit about that today. Um, he is, he has be is a recognized expert on the inner critic, uh, that internal voice that holds you back. You know, the, you are not good enough. You're not enough. I'm sure we've all heard that the imposter syndrome. Um, so his research in rich combination of Western and neuroscience, Eastern philosophy, mindfulness, and his own hard-earned life experiences. We're going to just have a conversation about those again today as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll check in with you on the other side. Well, hello, Justin. Thank you for um, joining me today. Uh, so how are you? I'm good, Laura. Thank you. I'm very good. It's, uh, it's always nice to join a conversation with somebody who's trying to explore life and the ways of us feeling and being and improving. So thanks for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. Um, so kind of diving into the questions that I even have for you today. Um, so you've you've been in this on this journey. I don't know how long it's how long it's exactly been. Maybe at least a decade or more. Um, so you were actually a investment fund hedge fund director at one point, and then you completely did like a one eighty turn into starting to study like uh, Eastern philosophy and like Buddhism. So what yeah. can you kind of get into that? What brought you down that that road, and uh, like where did the, where did the journey lead? Sure. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, I spent um, most of my um, adult life in financial services. Um, so I was an entrepreneur, I ran hedge funds, investment funds, um, and built and sold quite a few companies over uh, the better part of 20 years um, and kind of started my career from 19 um, in, in London and then in other places around Europe. Um, and I would definitely say I was, you know, a workaholic, um, very determined, very focused, um, but fundamentally probably struggling in terms of what I was hoping to achieve. So always looking for that next thing that I hope would eventually make me feel like I'm happy or I've found my purpose and I'm not finding it in, in that kind of materialistic pursuit. And I got married. Um, we had our, our first child and that went, that went well. Um, then my wife um, suffered with three subsequent miscarriages, which was, hugely challenging for us as a family. Um, and um, and then she was pregnant a second time, but our second child was born prematurely. So he was born at 26 weeks. He was born when we were on vacation. So we were oh um, down in Spain on vacation. So thousands of miles from home and in the wrong country. Um, and uh, we never got to leave that vacation for 
11 months. So he was born, wow. um, lots of challenges, lots of difficulties. And um, the, uh, he, was, he was in neonatal intensive care for, for six months. Um, then we started to go through some work to get him to the point where we could air ambulance him home. Um, we trained then as, as his carers as well, but he had lots of developmental needs. Um, he was um, on life support several times throughout that period. Oh, wow. And just as we thought we were getting to the point of being able to leave Spain and get back to our lives, um, he took a turn for the worst, which was on Christmas Day in 2011. And the medical team then said to us that, the you know to, to put him back on life support which would have been the fifth time um oh. they did it but they said they can't do it anymore so we had to go through um a process then of coming to terms with the fact that the struggle and the fight um wasn't able to, wasn't going to continue and that we had to allow ourselves to come to terms with the fact that we would lose our son joshua um so we had another two and a half weeks um, where we took him home um, to our house in Spain at the time um, so that he could be with us in an unmedicated environment. And he died with us peacefully. So um, that was the turning point. You know, that was a big moment where um, there was a shift away from my life before in terms of the the drive, determination. Um, I brought that drive and determination to the fight to try and keep Joshua alive. But it was a good moment where the universe and, and life started to show me that sometimes you can't win all these fights. Right. Wow. Wow, that's very intense. <laughs> so I know for me personally, and this is this is one of the struggles that I deal with constantly is just, you know, having to deal with that inner critic, um, especially in the yoga industry, we have this overwhelming imposter syndrome. Um complex. And so could you maybe touch on your research behind that and then any personal experiences that you may have had that shaped you with that? Um, sure. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important to realize that in terms of, of imposter syndrome, it is um, a predisposition that nearly all people suffer from. So as a, as a coach and therapist and somebody who's um, studied extensively in, in neuroscience and, and the psychology of, of human behavior, um, it's, it's a regular occurrence. So even the most successful people, and um, I would have considered myself on that bracket, um, I would have built and sold um, multiple companies for many millions of dollars. But... I always felt at any moment I would be found out I'm not good enough um, and um, surely somebody's going to figure that out. And I think um, it's it's when we are able to realize and acknowledge that those feelings are also felt by other people, it starts to help us better orientate and understand who we are. Um, and for me, when I, when I went through that change in my own life of... Um, dealing with the death of my son and then finding where I wanted to be in terms of my own life and development, it got me to, to a point of, first of all, struggling with the anxiety and stress of the loss, struggling with PTSD, 
Um, but then studying PTSD, studying loss, studying the nature of grief, the nature of human behavior, the nature of suffering in general. And key to that is that we continue to berate ourselves. And often one of the go-to places is that I'm not good enough and that I will be found out. Um, so it's, it's often best explored and look back when you find out what conditioning you had and what job you're doing or where that's come from because the feelings that you have in terms of yourself are often born out of a lot of things that you were told when you were younger. So mm -hmm. this is, it's, it's an exploration that, that is well worth going through. But first of all, and most importantly, recognizing that, you know, even the most successful and the most unwell people, it's a regular occurrence. I see it all the time in my coaching business and also in my therapy work. Um, and, and those two, those two, sides of my business are extreme. My coaching clients can be very successfully driven individuals and my therapy work can be people who are dealing with extreme grief and the reoccurring theme of imposter syndrome is there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to, and actually this was something that came up for me a few years ago, and I, I think I've talked about this on other podcasts, possibly just touching into it, but my for my personal experience, it was you know, someone projecting something upon me and determining and putting that idea in my, in my head that it was preventing me from getting past that for a long time. Um, it took a few years to kind of finally deep dig down and uncover that. And then when I finally realized what it, what it was, I was able to kind of let it go and uh, move forward. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a common practice. I think that seems to kind of pop up occasionally that we always seem to tend to have to work through, but. Yeah. But also I don't think, yeah. you know, it needs to be completely removed because yeah. in many ways it helps you move forward. So, yes. you know, a question about how I want to be or how I want to improve, you know, being able to notice and separate them um, and understanding the, the the idea of imposter syndrome is important. There's some very good TEDx talks on it and TED talks um, on YouTube that can help people. But, you know, don't believe or don't feel that you need to then diminish the capacity to want to, you know, develop yourself because those two right. things are quite different. Yeah. So you uh, have built your own structure and routines around like mindfulness, meditation, um, and the whole mind-body connection. So can you describe that, what that looks like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? Sure. Um, so in terms of sustaining your health, it's important to, to realize that, um, you know, if you think about everybody either owns, you know, a plant or maybe they have a dog mm -hmm. or maybe they're a parent and they have, they have a small child or a baby. And if you think about any of those three, if you don't give it regular attention, if you don't regularly nourish it and nurture it, it will become sick mm -hmm. and it can die. So we have to bring our attention to the things that we want to take care of. And quite often it's uh, very much the case that human beings are very good at taking care of other people and other things, but not necessarily themselves. 
So the nature of how we sustain our well-being and how we stay orientated in terms of keeping ourselves mind-body connection in good shape is that we must build a body of work to keep ourselves healthy. So my routine, which is quite lengthy and, and certainly I don't advocate that this is what everybody needs to do, but in many ways it's to find some things in terms of um, how you manage yourself. Um, and for me, huge parts of this um, are have been built around the research that I do in, into the neuroscience. Um, so a lot of what I do is is a research element to see what I can bring into performance elements of working with some companies and clients that I use. But I start every day exactly the same way. I usually wake up at about 5 a.m. It's my time to, to kind of devote to myself. So it's the idea of wake up and showing up for yourself before you step into helping anybody else. My immediate position to move to is then to meditation. So my meditation practice in the morning will be somewhere in the order of 20 to 40 minutes, depending on the day. Then just some, some movement, um, so just stretching, some light yoga movements, um, and then I'll walk. So then I'll get out and I'll walk and I'll be in nature, either in the park or the forest beside me or at the beach because, you know, the clinical data attached to the healing power of nature is, is extensive. So I'll be walking for 45 minutes to an hour um, and then I'll swim. So I swim in the sea. Um, we're here in Ireland. Our sea is anything but warm, but it's <laughs> that connection to cold water, which again, there's huge amounts of clinical data to support the benefits of cold water for our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system and our vagus nerve. Um, and, and then I continue into my day, but I don't start work until 10.30. So I won't do any client work until then. So the, the morning time is devoted to taking care of me. In addition to that, um, I have a plant-based lifestyle. So I've had a plant-based diet for the past five years which has huge benefits in terms of our microbiome and our capacity within our microbiome to connect to our nervous system, but also to our immunity and to our mental health. Um, so all those things are key. I don't drink alcohol. I stopped drinking alcohol five or six years ago, again, just because it has a stimulating effect in terms of our, our mental health um, and our well-being. Um, and I fast, so I usually fast for 19 hours a day and I eat for five. And a big okay. part of that is is the sleep because if we can stop eating early enough in the in the afternoon or evening, we induce a better sleep. So my last my last time to eat is about four o'clock um, and then I don't eat for the rest of the day. It just induces um, a better level of sleep. Yeah, I actually just started, um, well, my fasting, I, I, I had tempted to do some intermittent fasting similarly where I would um, have that window of time. But I feel like, I guess I've just, I'm not trained enough in it and in dutiful enough to just be like, okay, I'm not going to shove a bunch of food in my mouth, even though I have this window to do so. Um, it doesn't mean I have to do that. Um, so I haven't quite trained myself enough, but I have been able to successfully do where I'm actually doing a couple days actually right now. So I'm actually coming off of my second day of just, uh, drinking some water tea. Um, and just, that's about it. Uh, just keeping myself hydrated. And, um, I feel great though. I, I feel like it's, 
it's really helping my, my own personal well-being and health, um, overall. Um, but anyway, enough about, we don't care about me right now, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I, I really enjoy, um, yeah, I really just enjoy that. Um, yeah, I think, I think fasting is really important. It really is. Yeah. And, and it leads into sleep. You know, if you, if yeah. for anybody who's regularly fasting or tried intermittent fasting or even like, you know, a day or two, it improves sleep and, and sleep is the pillar, you know, I mean, for, for me, if I'm, I, you know, I wake up at five, so I'm, I'm kind of in bed going to sleep at nine 30. So it's, yeah. it's finding that rhythm, um, that kind of circadian rhythm, if you can tap into it, um, so that you're aligning with, with your body to to sleep better and and if you can manage sleep you'll reduce all levels of anxiety in your body more yeah. than anything else that you could do yeah exactly so we were kind of talking before we started recording you know you kind of already had converted your um at home at home was at home for your business at that point um so a lot of us weren't really using zoom beforehand now we are all like boom here we go. Um so during 2020 what do you feel is the most valuable lesson that you actually learned? Um I think the most valuable lesson for me during 2020 was just to continue to keep paying attention to slow down and to be constantly willing to check in and connect to my emotions. You know, what's here? What's with me now? How am I feeling? Um, because the source of so much of our pain is our own willingness to be open to what's here with us. And we're constantly striving to run away from everything that we don't want to reflect on. But it's, you know, it's like the old wedding cars and the old movies where the tin cans are being pulled behind the car. Mm. All the things that you have through your life that you have are challenging are still tethered to you. So the slowing down, the paying attention, the being with, opening up to, um, because all the things that are difficult are here. So turning towards them rather than turning away from them can actually create an immense sense of ease and freedom. Yeah. And actually I feel that um, embracing those uh, just kind of in me, it awakens, it awakens happiness and joy even too. just kind of facing that and just knowing that I can get through that um, those, those things. But I, I feel that your response is pretty much, it's a very common uh, response that I've had with, everyone that I've interviewed and even myself within, I just felt like I wasn't very present before um, even, you know, our lockdowns, even though they were separate, different things happened because um, we're in different countries. But um, yeah, I just feel like I wasn't being very present in my own life to really get to enjoy and experience a lot of things. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I am very grateful for that as well. It sounds like you are as well. Um, so anyway, well, I want to thank you so much again for your time today, your energy, um, providing, um, time here this afternoon to, uh, join me for this podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Well, thank you again. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks.
So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Justin. So don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.